from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm, in for Tony today. Tony will be back, back in the seat next week when he returns from vacation. But Tony is also going to join us a little later in the program to talk about the tragic news of today. And we want to start off today's program by acknowledging the loss that our country has experienced today. Our prayers are with the families of those who were killed, as well as those who are in Afghanistan, the Afghani citizens who were killed along with the American military uh, personnel in Afghanistan who were killed by this terrorist attack. Today, we mourn their loss. We're going to try to understand how this happened and also discuss what needs to be done to prevent things from getting worse? That's the program today on Washington Watch. We are glad that you are with us. As I mentioned, Tony Perkins will join us a little bit later in the program uh, to share his thoughts on what is happening today and over the last couple of weeks in Afghanistan. Stay tuned for that. In addition, we are going to get the latest from Afghanistan on the Christian situation, how are things going for the Afghani Christians? Jeff King from International Christian Concern, who is in a consistent contact with Christians on the ground there, will be with us to give us an update. At the end of the program, how does Joe Biden make foreign policy decisions? David Harsani is a senior writer for National Review, and he makes the case that Biden's results in Afghanistan really shouldn't be a surprise because they're very consistent with how he has handled foreign policy in the past. That's the conversation we're going to discuss, we're going to have at the end of the program. But first, the headlines. It's a hard day today. As you know, two suicide bombers assessed to have been ISIS fighters detonated in the vicinity of the Abbey Gate at Hamad Karzai International Airport and in the vicinity of the Barron Hotel, which is immediately adjacent. The attack on the Abbey Gate was followed by a number of ISIS gunmen who opened fire on civilians and military forces. At this time, we know that 12 U.S. service members have been killed in the attack and 15 more service members have been injured. A number of Afghan civilians were also killed and injured in the attack. We are treating some of them aboard HKIA. Many other Afghan civilians have been taken out to hospitals in town. We're still working to calculate the total losses. We just don't know it, uh, what that is right now. That was Major General Hank Taylor, Deputy Director of the Joint Staff for Regional Operations, reporting at the Pentagon press briefing just two hours ago on the events that unfolded outside the Kabul airport earlier today. And prior to that, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy issued a statement calling on President Biden to take decisive action to protect our troops, our citizens, and our allies without regard for, arbitrary, for an arbitrary deadline. He also urged House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to act quickly to brief Congress on the attacks outside the Kabul airport. And that really is the question I think a lot of Americans are asking right now. What are we going to do about it? And this is an interesting, it's an ironic, it's frankly a tragic situation that we find ourselves in where the organization that the United States has had under their thumb for the last 20 years, uh, it, due in large part to the fact that we are a much stronger uh, military force. And we should be able to put the Taliban under our thumb anytime we want to. But at this point, it appears that the tail is wagging the dog because the dog wants to be wagged by the tail. 
to give you some other examples of this, um, and, and we're going to talk about this in a little later in the program. We're hoping to be joined uh, shortly by Congressman Perry, uh, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. But and I want to talk to him about a couple things that happened in the uh, in the statement by John Kelly. And it looks like we do have him now uh, joining me to talk me is about what's going on in Afghanistan is U.S. Congressman Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, who's a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee and served as Assistant Division Commander of the 28th Infantry Division of the U.S. Army. Congressman Perry, thanks for joining us. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, It's a tough, tough day, tough day for uh, all American citizens and a really tough day for people that have worn the uniform, especially for those who have served and sacrificed overseas. And, of course, all of us have seen our our friends, um, uh, you know, not come home the, the way they left. And, and this is this is so unbel- – it's almost indescribably horrific. Uh, you know, not only the obvious humiliation, but, of course, now we have the worst attack in, in, in 10 years, literally August of 2011, when, when, o- when President Obama was, uh, was president of the United States um, – you know, this is the absolute worst ta- attack since then. And, you know, the, 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 I guess the worst part about this is is that none of this has to be this way. And every single person that's worn the uniform knows that. And so it just makes it doubly difficult because not only the sacrifices that have been made by individuals uh, that have served there and, you know, of course, their families have sacrificed. But, you know, w- we have casualties today and uh, today as we're trying to leave. And, and, and if, it was, if this were handled differently, those people would be coming home safe and sound. Uh, I'm absolutely positive of it. And it's so difficult to reconcile. President Biden, for his entire career, has been on the wrong side of, of every major foreign policy decision, of every single national security decision. And unfortunately, well, in the past, as United States Senator or even as vice president, it really didn't impact lives that much. But now it's impacting, it's going to impact thousands of lives, if not more. And, and you know, when, when we hear about uh, the United States credibility, especially regarding NATO, uh, you know, and you juxtapose that with, uh, with President Trump and people said he jeopardized uh, our credibility in the United States. Whatever President Trump did in demanding that NATO partners pay their they're reasonable and agreed to share. Um, it pales in comparison to what's happening now. There's not a NATO partner that we have right now that can trust the United States of America, all thanks to one person, the commander in chief, inept, incompetent. He failed to listen, failed to learn and has failed to lead. That's Joe Biden. Well, we're talking to Congressman Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and in Congressman um, to your point, there have been a number of, of leadership decisions that are not going well with the public. His approval ratings are, are dropping dramatically. We have not seen anyone resign or uh, be fired yet by President Biden. Uh, do you have any sense of what's going on in the White House, why we haven't seen anyone be held accountable, take responsibility? And in large part, the White House is saying much of this was inevitable. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a lie. No one should believe that. It was not inevitable. Yes, most Americans, and rightly so, thought that we, should, we had done enough in Afghanistan and we needed to get out. But there's a way of doing things 
that's responsible, that's appropriate. This is not it. So, so that's number one. Number two, we shouldn't be surprised that there's been no accountability at the White House or at this administration. Of course, as you know, we have a two-tiered, two-tiered system of justice in the United States, unfortunately, now. We've seen that play out. But really, uh, the people that, making, that are making the decisions on this, that have been making the decisions, unfortunately, I must say this as a person who was proud to wear the uniform for, for over 30 years, um, so this includes the military. The people that are making the decisions don't have the same viewpoint of the United States that most citizens do. They don't represent the same, the same port point of view where the United States is a shining city on the hill that, that has a moral standard that must be maintained, that is a, that is a superpower in the world that, that has to rise above certain things and has a different obligation than other nations. Th- these people have never felt that, and it is hard for, for, for us as, as, you know, certainly as conservatives, as Republicans, as people, to reconcile that, to, to kind of acknowledge that. But unfortunately, it is the truth, and you're seeing it, the manifestation of that truth play out right before you. Congressman, uh, we have painted ourselves into uh, into a strange corner. And today, John Kelly, who's the Pentagon spokesman, of course, uh, he made some statements and he had this to say about the security situation for American troops around the airport. I want to play this clip for you and then give you a chance to respond. Continue those attacks and we expect those attacks to continue. And we're doing everything we can to be prepared for those attacks. That includes reaching out to the Taliban who are actually providing the outer security cordon around the airfield to make sure they know what we expect them to do to protect us. Is that as alarming as it sounds to me as a civilian yes. never served, the idea that we are depending on the Taliban to provide a security perimeter around the airport? It just goes to exactly my statement right before this, sir. Um, the fact that the U.S. military uh, is, is, is saying outwardly, publicly, that we're counting on the Taliban to provide security. It's, it's, it's breathtaking how far we have fallen. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, some poor rube like me on the radio needs to remind the Department of Defense that the Taliban is a terrorist organization who just let out ISIS, who just let out al-Qaeda and all manner of, of terrorist fighters out of the prisons in Afghanistan. It, it, it is astounding to me. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have to be thankful and surprised if any Americans make it out alive. You know, Congressman, I got another example of this. Actually, I just came across this in the last few minutes. Uh, Laura Seligman, from the who covers the Pentagon for Politico, she's reporting that the U.S. government has given the Taliban a list of names of U.S. citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies that are supposed to allow them to grant entry into the outer perimeter of the city's airport. Now, it isn't hard to see how uh, that list, uh, who gets into the wrong hands, and as, you know, a week ago the Taliban was the wrong hands. Now we're depending on them to do our security work for us when we've spent the last 20 years at war with them. It's not hard to imagine that they could turn this list into a kill list. Is this just another example of we just lost control? I say again, uh, this is an uh, yeah. What we we have not had control since uh, since the Biden administration walked into the White House uh, in January. We have not had control since that time. The Taliban knew it. Our other adversaries knew it. And 
uh, you know, like I said before, again, this just goes back to the fact that we believe as Americans that the person at the White House has the best interest of United States citizens and, and America itself in mind. Unfortunately, this is a new paradigm. I just hate to say it this way, but people that look as look as, at the United States as just another cog in the global uh, the global coalition don't see us as anything special, don't see American citizenship as anything special, and don't see what's happening right now to American citizens as anything that should be alarming or should be anything of concern because it happens to other people all around the world on a daily basis. Unfortunately, that, that's who we have in the White House. And, and if, you know, if, it takes, if it takes this for most of, more of America to acknowledge and understand that, um, uh, I, I guess that's, that's where we are because this is, what we, this is what we're seeing right now. And this is why it's so appalling to us because it is so aberrant to us. Uh, that that is exactly the word. I mean, we do lose the right words to describe this. Congressman Scott Perry, uh, thank you for your time today, and thank you for your service to our country. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. God bless you. And we will continue to hear from uh, from Congressman Perry. Um, he used the word breathtaking, and that's really what it is. We now have the Taliban. Uh, setting the perimeter for our troops outside the airport. We are giving the Taliban a list of American Americans and green card holders so that they can clear the people who are supposed to be evacuated. What could go wrong? Uh, quite a bit, and it is already at the moment. But stay with us when we come back. Tony is going to join us. Yes, the host of Washington Watch will call in to discuss his feelings on the events of today. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. 
Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview. Washington Watch, Joseph back home, sitting in for Tony Day. Glad that you are here as we discuss the troubling events of today. Uh, and the good news is we have Tony, who is joining us to talk about this. And I want to get to this very quickly. I think Tony is on the line. Uh, Tony, are you with us? I am with you, Joseph. Thanks so much for uh, filling in for me over the last uh, few weeks. It's uh, It's been uh, good to be away. I've been traveling. I'll talk more about that next week. But I have been uh, tracking and been involved in uh, in uh, dealing with uh, trying to get refugees, uh, religious refugees, out of the country of uh, Afghanistan over the last week and a half. And, of course, today's news is uh, extremely tragic and, as uh, Congressman Perry was talking about, totally preventable. Uh, this uh, first news reminded me back when I was in the Marine Corps in 1983 when the uh, Marine barracks were blown up in Beirut, Lebanon, and uh, we lost 241 Marines, uh, Navy, and Army personnel. I was not there, but I lost friends in, uh, in that uh, suicide bombing there. Th- this, is, this was totally preventable. This is the, uh, I, I, I can't, it's, it's hard to find words, Joseph, to describe the, uh, j- just how inept this administration is. They've been filling slots to check boxes and ra- rather than picking the individuals that are best capable of leading uh, our State Department and our foreign policy and leading, uh, obviously, our military. This is tragic, but what makes it even more so is, as I said, it was totally preventable. Yeah, Tony, I, I asked this question to Congressman Perry, but he didn't directly answer this. And because of how poorly this is playing in the public right now, and this, the criticism of this is not a partisan issue, are you surprised that there has no one has been held accountable, that there hasn't been a change in the leadership team handling this yet? I I think um, I, I'm surprised. Well, I, I should I'm, I'm not surprised at this administration. Uh, they've acted as if nothing is happening. Um, I mean, this today is tragedy upon tragedy. Look, let me, let me just let people understand what's happening here as we have withdrew from Afghanistan in an unorderly manner. We have left behind Americans. American civilians, we have left behind individuals who counted upon America to at least let them know when the door was closing. There are individuals, and, and this idea that they've passed out a list to the Taliban to help facilitate 
the exit of these individuals, these are people that they want, many of them they want to kill, especially those who have converted from Islam to Christianity or other religious minorities. This, let's, rem, let's not forget who the Taliban is. Let's not forget why we went to Afghanistan to begin with. This, uh, I certainly hope that the administration will hold individuals accountable. But Joseph, more than that, I hope the American people will hold Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Speaker of the House, the majority leader in the Senate, who no doubt all of them have a part of speaking into this administration. They've been so focused on pushing their huge spending bills, pushing their transgender policy, that people are dying, including our men and women in uniform. This is, this is unconscionable, unacceptable, and the American people must hold this administration accountable. Tony, a lot of people agree with you, including friends in Congress who have been making statements. Uh, our friend Congressman Jim Banks, he had this to say earlier this week. I want to let you listen to this and, and see if you have anything to add. Let me be very clear. If any American is harmed, injured, or killed and not safely evacuated out of Afghanistan, or if any of these weapons or this military equipment is used to harm, injure, or kill an American now or at any time in the future, the blood is on Joe Biden's hands. Tony, do you uh, think that's too strong of a statement? No, I don't. Not at all. Because, look, again, let's, let's look at what's happening. This, this was preventable, as Congressman Perry talked about. Uh, look, we were mo- it, it was time to get out of Afghanistan, but there is an orderly way to exit. There's also, and I'm going to talk more about this next week. I'm going to have Secretary Pompeo, former Secretary of State Pompeo, on with me Monday. We're going to talk about this. But there have been plans in place to extract Americans, not necessarily from Afghanistan, but in any region of the world where this would occur. Let me remind our our listeners, back when the COVID hit, you remember when people, uh, everything got shut down and people were stranded in various parts of the world in the State Department did an a, a unprecedented uh, effort to retrieve all of those Americans' flights, getting them back. Look, there are ways to do this. There were plans in place. This administration didn't do it. They abandoned Americans in Afghanistan. People are going to die in Afghanistan as a result. I mean, they already have. I mean, our, our men and women in the military, our Marines, uh, Navy personnel have died today. But the death, the the blood is just beginning to flow. Uh, And again, we have to understand the Biden administration is totally responsible for this. Tony, do you think there is any chance that the the events of today will cause the Biden administration to rethink their their current approach and actually and and actually deal with what we're dealing with there, or will we will we just continue to run? Well, I mean the the evidence thus far, where they are now asking the Taliban to help them identify and uh, help Americans exit the country would suggest to me, no, they are not going to change uh, their process or their protocol. Uh, They were last week, they were sending out extraction teams of special forces to get some individuals, uh, but that has ceased. Now they're turning to the Taliban. Look, the Taliban, they are not our friends. Now that goes without saying, should we just expect no response to this then? 
We should expect a response, but unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get one from this administration. This is a pathetic administration. Totally pathetic. Tony Perkins, thanks so much for calling in, and we are looking forward to having you back in the chair on Monday. Thanks so much right. for your time. Thanks again, Joseph. A pathetic administration. Uh, that's Tony's take on what's happening in Afghanistan today, and I don't think he just speaks for himself in thinking so. Coming up, the attacks outside the Kabul airport confirm the imminent threat in Afghanistan. How are Christians handling the situation? Are they running? Are they hiding? Are they converting? Are they staying? We're going to talk about it with the president of International Christian Concern. Stay with us. Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAN to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Joseph Backholm sitting in for Tony today. The bombings outside the Kabul airport in Afghanistan confirm the imminent threat posed to Christians who are expected to be targets of the Taliban and other Muslim extremists. Already, some Christians have reportedly received threatening phone calls from unknown individuals saying, we are coming for you. And with the Taliban preventing Afghan nationals from going to the airport, the hundreds of Christian families in Afghanistan who have been struggling to flee the country won't likely be able to. What's the situation like on the ground right now? Joining me to share what his group has been hearing from those on the ground is Jeff King, president of International Christian Concern. Jeff, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much for having me. We're, we're glad to have you. Give us an update. What are you hearing uh, from those on the ground? 
Yeah, well, as you can imagine, uh, the Christians are terrified. So there's, you know, there's the Christians that were around the airport, and then there's ten to 12,000 Christians in the country. Uh, and some of these Christians, especially some of those around the airport, were known. They'd come out and said, hey, we're Christians. We're not going to hide. And for this group, you can imagine what life is like. So absolute uh, terror. There's panic attacks. Every time there's a knock on the door, they're wondering if they're going to be dragged out and shot. Uh, you mentioned already, look, there's phone calls being made to Christians. And those phone calls go something like, yeah, we, hey, we know you're a Christian. We're coming for you. There's also uh, the Taliban is going around door to door and asking, hey, who's going to mosque? Who's not going to mosque? Have you been to mosque? So, um, you know, for for the Christians that have been underground hidden, it's one thing. For those who have been out in the open, everyone's terrified, but especially that group. It is uh, a very, uh, very hair raising experience. We know that the Biden administration is making attempts to uh, get uh, Americans, at least, and as well as uh, those who helped the Americans out of Afghanistan. Yeah. We also have heard about ministries and private efforts to get people out of Afghanistan. What advice are you giving to people that you're communicating with? Well, uh, everything changed today. Let's just say that. So everyone is working. There's a lot of stuff that obviously is hidden. It can't be said. But uh, we're working. We've been working, first of all, for months. We've already gotten some people out. That is the priority for a lot of these families. Um, so what happened was there's basically kind of a DMZ around the airport. And there was a whole ring of humanity in there. Um, and that was everyone from contractors, special forces people, police, you know, people who would be uh, considered collaborators. So that ring of humanity has dispersed. It's poof and it's gone Unless you're a high priority uh, um, associate of the United States, you're not getting out. So all the Christians there that were there that were centered around that that connection is gone. Uh, that's no longer an opportunity. And so I think the problem is obvious, and we're what we're trying to do. But I, I'm not going to come out and say, but I think it's obvious what's going on, what we're trying to do. Well, I hope we're trying to get people out. Yes, and I, I assume there are various ways ways of doing that. As you talk to Afghani Christians there and the, maybe the pastors of these churches, what are they communicating to their congregations? Well, so first of all, I mean, there's underground and then there's now what the situation is now. So everyone is extremely careful. Um, and uh, honestly, you know, you could say, gosh, in this situation, uh, you would think we just trust in God completely. And yet there's the human side of this and people are terrified and communication has gone way, gone way down. But communication is still happening and we're trying to communicate calm and let people know we're praying for them and we're working. Uh, but it is a you know, this is like the fall of Saigon. It's, an, it's completely chaotic. And so trying to get anything done, and the scammers are everywhere, so trying to get anything done is extremely difficult and and makes it hard for these people to have trust and to have hope, honestly. Jeff, practically speaking, are there options? If, if the airport is shut down and flying out is, is not an option for you, is walking out an option? Are there places, are there paths that people can say, well, it's going to take us a while, but we need to get out of here? Or are they just literally, uh, for all intents and purposes, stuck where they are? Uh, you know, probably the truth is somewhere in the middle. We've, uh, we've already been successful with the idea of what you're talking about. Uh, and there are options, but honestly, the, the options can't be talked about or else, you know, those <laughs> options get closed down. Sure. So there are options and there's things developing. There's things that have already, already worked. 
We've already uh, seen success. We've been working on this for months. We knew it was coming. Uh, we assumed it would unravel quickly, but, uh, you know, so we, we weren't completely surprised. That's why we've been working on it for months. And yet it yeah. unraveled so quickly. It obviously wasn't handled, managed well. Uh, but, you know, we've been working on this. And so uh, channels are set up. Well, I'm encouraged to know that there are possibilities, and we know that people are creative and smart, and, and we, we know the body of Christ is working on this, and we know that, this, that God is not, uh, he's not caught off guard and that he can intervene in all of these things. But everybody watching and listening today it cares. What can we be doing to be helpful? You know, prior to this morning, I would say call, call your members uh, and call the members of Congress and say prioritize these Christians. Look, these people... Uh, they have they have a death sentence on them, okay? So for those that top tier of people that have said, look, we're Christians, we've come out, these people are all converts from Islam, and they're now living under Islam. And that means they there's no way back. They either have to convert back to Islam or they're going to be murdered. Um, and so that was maybe the priority today. Before that, it was chaos trying to get people from that that DMZ, that ring of humanity around the airport through the gates, complete chaos. We'd be communicating with the government. We'd think we'd have things set up and then, you know, poof, nothing happens, can't get them through. So now that's all being rewritten anyways. There's now we're now we're on the plan B. Jeff King, International Christian Concern, thank you for your efforts. We will continue to pray for your success on their behalf. Thanks for your time today. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys. And we are going to continue to cover this. Does the Afghanistan debacle, what does it say about Biden's foreign policy? Should we be surprised? We have one person who says no. We'll talk to him when we come back. Stay with us. What is religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit prayvotestand.org. 
That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Joseph Backholm sitting in for Tony today. We're still reeling from the attacks that killed more than 60 Afghan civilians and more than 12 U.S. service members today outside the Kabul airport. Some of you might be asking, how did we get here? Well, Robert Gates, who served as defense secretary for the Obama administration, had written in his 2014 memoir that Joe Biden has, quote, been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past for decades. And when asked about that just two years ago, Gates said he still stands by that statement. Even the Washington Post in a piece last year noted that the approach of then presidential candidate Biden is, quote, guided largely by impulse and feeling. And on Afghanistan, he had, quote, had been maddeningly inconsistent. If we look back at President Biden's decades-long career, should there be any surprise that the situation in Afghanistan unfolded the way that it did? Joining me now to tell us what we need to know about President Biden's foreign policy instincts is David Harsani, senior writer for National Review, who has written at length about this subject. He's also the author of the book Euro Trash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a, day, of a Dying Continent. David, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. We're glad to have you. Um, first, just what what's your gut level reaction to what's going on today? Well, tremendous sadness, but also um, anger, I guess. I mean, you have a situation that didn't have to be this way. Even if you believe that pulling out of Afghanistan is the right thing to do, um, the least we can ask of our leaders, our military leaders, our executive branch is to do it in a way that protects American lives and the interests of our allies um, and, and in an orderly, competent way, which is not what's happened. The, uh, the opposite has happened. Yeah, I, th- I think you speak for a lot of people there. Um, the administration continues to try to, in all of its statements, defend why people are withdrawing, why we are withdrawing from Afghanistan, which seems to be a, a consistent effort to move the goalposts. But before we dive into President Biden's foreign policy blunders over the past few decades, I want to look at this the past few months to see how wrong he has been. Listen to this. We'll not conduct a hasty rush to the exit. We'll do it. We'll do it responsibly, deliberately and safely. Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Did you 
see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. Likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Now, these are statements that are going to haunt President Biden for a very long time. Uh, we now have the benefit of hindsight. Do you think he was making those statements based on actual intelligence or was he just going with his gut? <laughs> I think he was going with his gut um, or he was lying because intelligence. Report, well, listen, uh, from what we know, intelligence reports did not say or intelligence did not believe that the Taliban would overrun the country in 11 days. Um, and that's another story, right? That's a failure in and of itself because they did it so quickly. Um, but he's been wrong on this issue since we're going to talk about that in a minute. We might as well dive in now, I guess. He's been wrong on the Afghanistan issue on numerous occasions throughout the years. Um, and he is part of the problem in the sense that he is now saying that we have to leave because it's a, basically a failed nation-building project and Afghans have to stand for themselves, et cetera. He was a, he was a huge proponent of nation-building in Afghanistan in the middle. He attacked President Bush years ago for not having enough troops in Afghanistan. Uh, he's taken every position you can take, and when he's taken them, they're usually wrong. And he said a lot of things, as he did the other day. He wasn't president, but he said a lot of things that were simply untrue in, in the same way. He made a lot of predictions that didn't come true. And so we shouldn't really be surprised that he's saying things now, even a, a month ago or a few weeks ago, that turned out to be untrue. It's just you know, what's gone on in his whole career. And I want to get into some of the details of that. I opened, I mentioned at the beginning of a segment how Robert Gates, former defense secretary uh, for the Obama administration, said that Biden had essentially been wrong about nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past 40 years. And of course, he's one of the few people that has actually has had a public record for the past 40 years. What are some of the other issues that uh, you and perhaps Secretary Gates think he got wrong? I mean, he was again, he voted against the first Iraq war, which most people think was successful in, in many ways. Um, then he was, you know, he was for Iraq, which we can disagree on, I guess. But, um, you know, later he himself said that that was a mistake. But then he was against surge in Iraq, which was one of the few successful operations we had there in the first few years. Um, then, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was, but, but yet he was for sending more troops to Afghanistan. And then he was for sending less troops to Afghanistan. Then he wanted to leave Afghanistan. And then now we see what happened there. But we can also talk about other issues. I mean, he was against the, um, the, uh, Abraham Accords that, uh, that Donald Trump, uh, you know, signed with, um, Gulf states and Israel, which is a success. I mean, if you told someone 20 years ago that there would be a, um, a, basically a normalization treaty, a peace treaty between the the Gulf states and Israel, they would have thought you were crazy. And yet he, you know, he said that, that it was going to, you know, start a, a war or I forgot exactly what he said in the Middle East. Um, he was for the failed Iran deal. Um, so, I mean, basically, you name any event uh, of, of in foreign policy and, and he's always on the wrong side. Now, for most of us, foreign policy is complex. 
Uh, we don't spend our careers in it. There's issues. There's 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 people. There are cultures. There's history that a lot of us don't really have our uh, a, a real strong grasp of. So it's it's hard as kind of a you know Monday morning quarterback, just kind of U.S. citizen, to necessarily say, oh, the president's wrong, and the Secretary of Defense is wrong about this stuff, because they have a lot more information than we do about most things with respect to foreign policy. But do they have? Does he have guiding principles that? Uh, that help him determine what should be done in a given situation? And should he? Listen, I don't think most Americans um, have an ideological, other than, you know, with domestic issues, they do. But with foreign policy, they don't really have sort of guiding ideological reasons for why they are opposed or for something. So most people wanted to go to Iraq. And when it went south, you know, they were against Iraq. Most people want to get out of Afghanistan. But when this happens, uh, you know, they blame the president. So uh, Joe Biden does have, I think, at least a guiding principle. I think his guiding principle is that he looks at polls and he takes the position he thinks that will benefit him the most. Um, he thought, in my opinion, at least, that leaving Afghanistan would be um, harmless, uh, you know, a, a quick political victory that he could point to, that, uh, you know, that, that withdrawing wouldn't be that big a deal, that Americans wouldn't care about it. And I think that most Americans do want to leave, but they, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to leave without honor. They don't want to leave their allies to die. They don't want to see suicide bombers blowing up American soldiers, which is happening. And it's happening because of the rushed incompetence of the president. Now, listen, it is complex, but, you know, one of the few things the executive branch is supposed to be running is foreign policy. Joe Biden fashions himself some sort of, you know, foreign policy, a keen foreign policy mind. Well, this is his chance to show that he can do those things, and he has it. This is a complete failure any way you look at it. I think 16, only 16 percent of Americans last poll before the suicide bombing said that this was um, this operation was running smoothly. Uh, I can't think of another event in American recent American history where so few people thought that the president had done a good job on something. I mean, this is this is just incompetence, and it's it's now it's turned deadly. Well, you just mentioned that you thought his guiding principle was public polling and whatever he thought would be popular. Do you think that suggests then that he's about to reverse course and do something different than what he's been doing for the last several weeks? But that would be difficult now to do. I mean, now you'd have to take on the Taliban again and you'd have to, uh, you know, take back swaths of the country. I, I don't know what he's going to do, but, but that seems unlikely to me. Um, if we engage, if we want to go after ISIS, who, who you know, was claimed responsibility for these bombings, uh, perhaps we can. But I mean, it's just this, a completely different situation. And then, you know, Joe Biden keeps claiming that the Trump administration made this deal with the Taliban, so he has to abide by it. But that, of course, is a, is a fantasy because the Taliban has broken that deal over and over. And yet we still trust them yeah. um, in, in many ways. So um, I don't think he can go turn. I mean, I don't know what he's going to do because it's, it's kind of, as you, you mentioned or alluded to before, he has no real guiding principle on foreign policy. So I'm not sure what he's going to do. Well, we've talked earlier today on the program about the extent to which the Biden administration is now trusting the Taliban Two specific cases out of the news today. John Kelly, during his uh, uh, spokesman for the Pentagon, during his statement, pointed out that they are depending on the Taliban to provide a security perimeter around the airport now, which to my unsophisticated foreign policy mind seems insane that the uh, that the group that you have been at war with for 20 years, you are now 
publicly stating that you were depending on them to provide security for your troops. In addition to that, we also heard a report uh, within the last hour that the United States has given the Taliban a list of names, U.S. citizens, green card holders, and Afghanis that they wish to get out through the Kabul airport, hoping that in good faith, the Taliban will then honor um, this list, not turn it into a kill list, and just let through the people that the Americans want to have out. So that reversal of fortune, where we were at war with them, and then like a week later, we're now depending on them to give us security, seems transparently insane. Um, but President Biden has said on multiple occasions that he took the consensus opinion when he made this decision. Uh, that seems to suggest that there were differences of opinion. But do you think that's true? Was this the consensus that, hey, let's just get everybody out? It's not going to be a big deal? Not sure. I mean, maybe it was. Uh, so, I mean, then he has the wrong people surrounding him and he made the wrong decision. But I just want to go back to the Taliban and use the word insane, which is exactly the word I used in a piece today, because not only did, um, you know, not only does he rely, first of all, he pulled back from all kinds of secure locations, leaving perhaps a thousand or more Americans stranded in Afghanistan. But more than that, as you mentioned, he gave a list of these people's names to the Taliban, who doesn't believe bin Laden had anything to do with 9-11, who, who we were bombing, as you said, two weeks ago, who... Um, who are even now hunting down Afghans who are translators and so on. There are reports that they've been beheaded and executed, and we, we handed them a list of names. Someone needs to explain to the American people why all this happened. You know, Biden gave a speech, and he was it was all about empathy for the people who died, and that's wonderful, but he had no explanation for why things are going the way they are. Um, if it's generals who made these decisions, shouldn't they be fired? I mean, can you imagine a, a, a big corporation making such disastrous decisions without anyone losing their job? It just simply wouldn't happen. And yet no one, you know, and yet there was a report yesterday that Biden doesn't plan to fire anybody. So that just shows poor leadership. And um, and frankly, I mean, I hate to say this because it sounds like ageism, but he, in his speech today, he just doesn't look you know, up to the job. I, I don't know how else to put it. And, and that means maybe, you know, his decision making isn't, uh, you know, prowess isn't what it should be. And maybe other people are making decisions that shouldn't be. So, you know, these are, I think, fair topics to talk about. You mentioned the fact that uh, President Biden said he doesn't plan to fire anyone. Um, I have speculated, and that's all I'm doing at this point, that perhaps uh, he got advice contrary to what he has actually done. And some of the people that would be in positions to be fired because they're responsible are, are simply carrying out orders and are perhaps behind closed doors saying, I told you so. And so perhaps he doesn't feel good about firing people that actually gave him the advice that this is exactly how it was going to go. Do you think that's plausible? Any sense of what the conversations inside the White House are? Because it took him five or six hours to even say something about this? No, I mean, I, I think that's very highly plausible um, that you have generals saying, listen, there's going to be like today, one general said, you know, we always knew that this was going to happen sooner or later, something like that. I forget the exact phrasing. You know, you did. I mean, only a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, Biden was saying we were going to do this safely and that the Taliban weren't going over the run the country. But now we see that there was a report that said that they probably could overrun the country. So um, that's a very interesting and plausible uh, 
theory about what happened. It's difficult to know what people are talking about. There isn't the kind of leaking right now from the Biden administration that we saw, for instance, during the Trump years. So um, though I did see in the political story, Politico story on the uh, list that was handed to the Taliban, there was a, an anonymous official who, who basically said that, that this was insanity as well. So maybe that was the consensus and Biden ignored it. I don't know. Um, those are things that reporters should be trying to find out right now. Well, David Harsani, National Review, one final question, I think. Um, though we are all just frustrated by the status quo, uh, regardless, this is not an, a saga that's going to end anytime soon. We're going to continue to have to make foreign policy decisions. What decisions do you think the Biden administration is going to be making in the next days and weeks? I don't know, but I think that it is going to get worse because the reports are that there's ISIS all around and suicide bombing and, you know, uh, killing people is not a difficult thing to do, unfortunately, and people can do it and ISIS can certainly do it. Um, and then you have all these Americans. We really don't know, I don't think. I think it's a get, a thousand is a guess, left behind. And once, if American citizens are starting, are hostages or things like that, it's going to get very ugly. I mean, uh, it's a lot of Americans to leave behind. So I wonder if he, well, I should say Biden has to decide if he wants to extend the deadline or not, the 31st, to leave. And uh, he said he won't. Um, but there must be tremendous pressure for him to extend that deadline. Well, the problem is that the uh, Taliban has told him he can't. And so far, that seems to matter for reasons that confuse me and I think a lot of other Americans. David Harsani, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. We are going to continue to cover this tomorrow because probably we're going to have to. Uh, that's what's going on in the world. Continue to pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our troops, the men and women in Afghanistan. They need God's help. Fortunately, God is big enough. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.